With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Fantasy Hockey Life, presented by Fantrax. Here's Jack Hughes, and Hughes, score! Oh, the kid did it! Your source of information and analysis to help you win your fantasy hockey league. Barkov has a step, in on Stalock, Barkov shoots and scores! Here's your hosts, Jesse Sevier and Victor Nuno. Fantasy Hockey Life, that's right. It's time to talk a little bit of fantasy hockey. We don't care that it's June. Doggone it. It's time. It's time to start preparing and to start thinking about next season, even as you watch your Stanley Cup playoffs, if that is indeed what you are still doing at this time. And today, I am joined, as always, with my good buddy from the Hockey Writers, Victor Nuno. Victor, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Yeah, excited to talk about these Coyotes. It's going to be... An interesting team to talk about. There are definitely some surprises and some guys who took step forwards. And so, yeah, the, these are guys we need to know about. We need to know about what to think of them for next season so we can we can win our league. So that's that's what we're here for in the middle of the summer or maybe it's the early summer. Boy, uh, interesting just begins to describe the type of year these Coyotes had. And we're going to get into the the drama briefly, but we focus on the players, not the narratives. Uh, but I can't help but ask about the narrative. Please indulge me on that, at least briefly. Uh, well, a couple of things to remind people of as we get started here, Victor. We do have a Dynasty Listener League. Uh, I feel kind of guilty promoting it every week because we technically are full at this point, uh, 34 players to join us in two 18-team dynasty leagues that will be drafting up later this summer. We're currently full. We've got three on a wait list, but you know the way these things work, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a little bit of shakeup by that time, and we would invite anybody who is still interested to email us, fantasyhockeylife at gmail.com. Hit up Victor Nuno on Twitter, Victor Nuno 12. Hit up me on Twitter, Fan Hockey Life, and we love to interact with you about that or anything else that you have to ask about with fantasy hockey. We uh, enjoy the interaction that we have with all you fine folks out there. Well, uh, Victor, I think we probably ought to get right to the meat today. So why don't we come back in just a minute and talk Arizona Coyotes? Ready to talk these Arizona Coyotes with Lewis Benone of the Hockey Writers. Lewis, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I'm not melting from the heat like uh, some folks in Arizona are at this time. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's been a long week. It's been 115 or, or higher. So uh, definitely, you know, definitely trying to stay inside and play some hockey. You know, it's been nice to get to the rink this week. Ordinarily, I would try to start beef with somebody saying, well, you know, 90 degrees and humid in Wisconsin is is pretty close to hotter out there, but I'm not even going to mess with 115. That's uh that's beyond the pale. That's uh, <laughs> that surface of the of the moon uh, type stuff um, in the sunlight. But absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, a team that was not quite so hot this year, uh, but then they play in the winter. So it's not expected was the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I guess we can't be too negative, but in terms of the overall franchise, let's let's start there, because my goodness was a, dr- a dramatic year for the franchise before we get into the individual players. Started with uh, Mr. Chaika's off-season departure last year and a scouting scandal before that that messed up their draft. And then the controversial drafting of Mitchell Miller as their first pick in the draft. And uh, that fella had bullied, uh, I I understand, a a disabled African-American person when he was like in middle school. But that uh, ended up being so controversial, blowing up in their face so much that they had to renounce him as a pick. Uh, and to not, it, it's it's one thing to say you're going to go with your guy and you believe he's turned around, but it seems like they weren't prepared for that type of a PR disaster. And then you had Katie Strang's February bombshell article in The Athletic that turned them into the center of the hockey world's attention in a bad way for a while. Team ended second from the bottom in the division, arguably had the weakest lower half in the NHL, that Pacific division, that Western division, because the California teams were not carrying their end as they had in the past. Ended with the departure of a well-regarded coach, Rick Tockett, who looks like he might have at this hour the inside track on uh, the Seattle job. Uh, We'll see. People might know that by the time this comes out. And it appears additional departures even the week prior to this in terms of other people within the organization. For a few years now, I've thought of the Coyotes as a team with this core of young players that are kind of waiting to gel and come into maturity and success. But, you know, as we go through these guys, I'm kind of surprised they're not all so young anymore. They're kind of getting into their mid-20s almost in some cases. In hockey terms, that is middle age. And the star upside doesn't appear to be as bright as before. And as we'll hear uh, later in our episode, we're going to get into some prospects, uh, Lewis. And the, the prospect system's not great. And they've been hit with Losing that first round pick in this year's draft. Okay, uh, I'm being extremely negative here, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll try not to pile on to the Coyotes and just ask you. Maybe you're a little bit closer to the team and the action there. Is this a team that has at least hope for qualifying for the playoffs in the next couple of years? And am, am I being too harsh? And is the narrative around this team too negative at this point? Um, no, I think, uh, like you said, a lot of um, you know negative stuff has gone on, and uh, you know. The Coyotes might not always do their, their good, the good stuff on the ice, but, you know, it's always entertaining. There's always always news going on, so, uh, you know, always something happening. But, um, but, yeah, I think next season they're going to be moving over to the Central Division, right? So, um, you know, they're going to have a tough time over there, I think, with all the, with the quality teams that there's. You know, Winnipeg Jets are, you know, on the up and up. And some Minnesota Wild, well, we'll see what happens with Kaprizov. But, you know, there's some quality teams out there. Even the Dallas Stars had a down year, and the Blues, obviously, the Cup champions a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, in terms of playoffs, they, they might have some trouble just based on the, the quality of that division. But, um, you know, it's going to probably depend a lot on who they, they hire for the head coaching position here. 
Well, when we talk about entertainment value, and uh, there's one forward who comes to mind, and that is Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel is a national treasure, uh, I say as an American, uh, because he's he, he's just the look of the man uh, is one impression that he gives off and sort of got him run out of Toronto and eventually wore out his welcome <laughs> in Pittsburgh. But you know what? I love the guy. He quietly put up his normal type numbers, even in all the sort of upheaval that was going on in Arizona this year. 20 goals, 23 assists for 43 total points in 56 games. That's real good for an Arizona Coyotes forward. Typically, forwards on this team have trouble scoring high numbers. The number of consecutive games played now, the streak is past 900. He will own it this year if either Patty Marlowe, who I think is retiring, or Keith Yandel slip for just a second. They they are looking in their rearview mirror and knowing if they miss a game, Kessel's going to sail right past them. So uh, for a guy who always looks a little out of shape and and you sort of wonder, uh, he is that, that Iron Man thing, uh, to me, mitigates, if not cancels out, any questions you would have about his work ethic. He'll turn 34 next year. 17.4% shooting last year was the highest of his career. 85% individual points percentage. That's the percentage of the time that he's credited with a point when a goal is scored when he's on the ice. Those are both really high. But overall, these two things are a little bit related, right? If you're shooting at a very high percentage, well, a lot more of the things when you're on the ice are goals. <laughs> and they're <laughs> ones that you scored. So you're going to get a point. Uh, the one thing I know is that you always get a point when you score a goal. Uh, the 2019-20 dip seems like the outlier year rather than the career pace that he's been on. It doesn't look like it was the start of a decline. It looks like maybe uh, that was a dip in terms of what we could see going forward. But, uh, you know, from our fantasy perspective, he doesn't get shots, hits, blocks. Uh, well, uh, he, shots, not bad, but hits and blocks, not a whole lot. Uh, but I don't see who's coming for this guy's role. It, he, he's got to be the premier offensive player on this team as long as he decides to stay down in Phoenix. So expectations for Kessel, over under 70 points in a full 82 season year. And and uh, what's your impression of this guy going forward, Lewis? All right. Yeah, I think you said you, were, you hit it right on, on the – you are right on about the, the last year of his dip. Um, I think that was injury-related more than anything. Yeah, there are some – kind of whispers that he was you know, trying to play through injuries just to keep his streak going, which I could probably see just based on his, his struggles last season, but, um, you know, had a full bit of health this season and you can see the results, you know, 63 point pace over a full 82 games. Um, in terms of, you know, that 70 point mark, um, I'd have to say under just based on the fact that this is the coyotes we're talking about there. They've always been, you know, offensively challenged, so to speak. So, um, you know, this is a team that's going to have to win games three to two if they're, if they're going to win, you know, they're not going to win four to three or five, four, stuff like that. So um, that's going to kind of put a cap on, you know, any kind of you know, high scoring forwards that they might have. So I have to go under on, on Kessel at the 70 points next year. Well, Jesse, you said you don't know who's coming for Kessel's role. And I, I think we have to put Connor Garland in that conversation. I think it was probably a bit surprising that we go next to Garland here, but uh, he probably he probably has he probably wasn't anyone's preseason guess as who would be number two on the team in scoring for forwards and yes, that's right a defender beat him which one I guess we'll just have to wait and see I'm sure I'm sure Lewis knows who that is. Back to Garland he upped his shots to almost three a game and was able to put up a 65 point pace this season. You know he had 
a 31 point pace in his rookie season, 1819, then 47 point pace in 1920, 65 this season. So I guess that means he's going to be like an 80 point player next season. If you just follow that trend, uh, he went through a stretch where he wasn't shooting much, just over one per game. And then it came back towards the middle at the end of the season. I'm not sure the reason for that. Maybe there was some kind of injury. Um, it definitely, he definitely did not look the same. He is a is a very you know fast player likes to shoot a lot and this is found money for a fifth round draft pick. He also was very honored and I think did a great job playing for the U.S. over at the World Championship. So that was another feather in his cap. And it seems like he's riding high on confidence and you know opportunity here. So what do you think of Connor Garland? His season uh, I was kind of joking about moving up to an eighty point pace, of course. But you know, is he going to be a sixty plus point pace guy? Kind of just uh, from here on out with lots of shots. I can definitely see it. Um, you know, like you said, he got off to a great start this year. I think he had twenty three points in his first twenty three games. So you know, he was averaging a point a game for a while there. Uh, like you said, he did fall off in the second half. I'm not sure that could have been injury related or. Or anything like that, but um, you know, I, I think he does have the potential to be a seventy to eighty point guy. Um, you know, the Coyotes, like you said, are very happy to to be able to draft a guy like that in the fifth round. Um, you know, he, he was a big time scorer, and and you know, well, uh, Quebec League in, in his junior days. Um, you know, I think he fell in the draft a little bit because he's undersized, but um, you know, he's you're not going to find a harder worker in the NHL than Connor Garland. You know, he definitely has worked hard to to be where he's at, and definitely deserves all the uh, the recognition he's getting right now. And, you know, well-deserved pay raise coming his way this summer as well. So what do you think? Over, under 65 points? I got to go over next year. I could see him being the leading scorer for this team next year. I gotta, I go, I'll go over 65 points on, uh, on Connor Garland. Nice. Love it. Love Connor Garland. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. Huh, a guy I just can't give up on, Lewis, and that's Clayton Keller. I am stubbornly fixated on that 65-point season in his rookie year, uh, and I hope the Coyotes are too because they signed the soon-to-be 23-year-old to an eight-year contract that kicked in last year. is going to cost him seven mil per year for seven more years. Uh, this year, Victor thought he'd be the 81st best forward. I thought he'd be the 92nd. He actually was 128th. So the last three years following that third place Calder year have been more of a 50-point pace, more or less, for three straight years. Ten power play points was part of the culprit this year. That was a little low considering his uh, huge role on that power play. That is much lower than in prior years. Maybe a 56 IPP is a little light for an offensive type forward, but not to be too unfair, but if Coyote Brass knew he'd be fourth in points with that pace, I don't know that his contract would have been exactly as high as it is at this point. He hasn't missed a game in four years, two shots per games, a few hits blocks. Is Keller ever going to get back to that early potential, or should we be satisfied with a healthy 50-point guy who is likely to have favorable deployment in this offense? That is a great question, and it's one that many here in Arizona are, are wondering as well. You know, like you said, he had the – the outstanding rookie season, like we've seen some players have before. You know, we saw Max Domi and Anthony Duclair have have great rookie seasons here and, and not really be able to, to follow that up with any success. So, um, you know, he's kind of, you know, fallen off a little bit in the last three years, like you said. Um, but I'm, I'm really anxious to see what he can do with the new coaching staff next year. Um, you know, it seems like, um, you know, a lot of the young players kind of capped, you know, their, their production was kind of capped with Rick Tockett. So, We'll see if a new coach maybe can get a little bit more out of these younger guys. You know, Keller's only 22. He turns 23 this summer. But, um, 
you know, like you said, he's middle-aged in terms of hockey. So, um, you know, we, we might be seeing the player he is, you know, this is going to be his fifth year in the league. So this, this could just be what, what, uh, you know, the finished product is, but um, I think a lot of people in Arizona are hoping for more, especially since he was, you know, the number seven overall pick a couple of years ago. So you'd, you'd hope for, for more than 35 points and, and 56 games out of a guy like that going forward. So, you know, a lot of hope that he can uh, surpass those numbers, but remains to be seen. I, I think he's got it in him. Um, you know, there's a lot of potential there and, I think a new coaching staff could maybe, you know, get him a fresh start and, you know, help him get back on track. Well, that would be great. Uh, moving on to Nick Schmaltz, Schmaltz's second full season in Arizona. His production and contract were both uh, kind of Clayton Kellerish actually this year, 50-ish points, five or more years to close to $6 million. Shot rate climbed from his career norm of 1.5 or under to over two per game this year, like that. Got top power play type time, 25 years old. Uh, I don't know, is Schmaltz going to pick it up maybe over under 55 points next year? Uh, 55 points, I can see it. just depends on how many hot streaks he has, you know. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen a streakier player play for the Coyotes, you know, since I've been following the team for the last 10 years. Um you know, you'll, you'll kind of, you can kind of look at his game log in NHL.com and you'll see, you know, 14 points in 15 games. And then he'll immediately have two points in 15 games. And then immediately he'll have, you know, 16 points in 14 games. So you just got to work on, you know, the consistency. And, and you know, he just he disappears for, you know, weeks at a time. And uh, if he can kind of, you know, overcome that and, and you know, kind of shorten those, those you know, those kind of slumps and, and get more hot streaks, he could definitely be a 55 to 60 point player. But um, you know, he's kind of been that kind of that player his whole time in Arizona. So I'm not sure if, you know, he's going to be able to be more consistent or not in entering his age 25 season, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, but I think, um, you know, like, like I said, with Keller, I think a new coaching staff may be able to get, you know, better results out of Nick Schmaltz. And, um, so we'll have to see, but I think he can be a 55 point player here. And man, we just keep having these, uh, hockey quote unquote, young core guys moving into middle age. Cause next guy up. Christian Dvorak, he was a great surprise, I thought, early in the season. 16 points in his first 21 games made him a hot commodity for us fantasy types as he rose to the center one position. And then after 15 and 35 in the rest of his season, he ended up with 17 goals, 14 assists, 31 points in 56 games. He was actually ninth in the NHL with 553 faceoff wins. So that's a good thing. Was Dvorak's rise and then fall simply a product of early hot shooting, or do you think he'll be in the mix as a center one next year and uh, maybe relevant to those of us who are looking for higher scoring totals? Uh, you think over under like 50 points? All right, I think uh, Dvorak definitely would be the first line center in Arizona, but I'm not sure if he'll, he'll be a one, a, a one C for you in fantasy hockey. Um, you know, he's, you know, this will be his, I believe his sixth year coming up. Um, you know, he's kind of you know settled into a nice you know two-way center role that you know he'd be he'd be great as a second or third line center on a, a team with more depth but you know, he's been that first line center in Arizona like you said he took a you know a lot of faceoffs this year so um, I don't think the points will be there but I think he'll take a lot of faceoffs he'll be on the ice a lot killing penalties he'll be on the power play so um, definitely some value there in fantasy hockey but I'm not sure he'll ever be you know a 50 point 60 point guy in, in this career. Well, two more guys I'm going to kind of cover together and, and kind of think of them as the big hitters uh, among this crop of youngish Coyotes, both 24 years old. We got Lawson Krause. We got Christian Fisher. 
both on cheap uh, deals, 1 million to 1.5 million for one more year before they hit restricted free agency and the team's going to have to make some harder decisions about them. In our patented bash metric, which is blocks plus shots plus hits, Kraus was 31st among forwards in the or 31st overall in the NHL, 13th in NHL in hits with just over three a game. Kraus was just brutal uh, throwing hits all year. Had uh, in his last four games, nine hits, six hits, seven hits, two hits. Pretty, pretty good if you're into those types of things. Fisher was 124th in those metrics, but 16th in hits, just under three per game. Uh, it makes me wonder what those Arizona people are doing tracking those hits. But um, Fisher uh, was 12.45 average time on ice for the season, but topped 15 in seven of his last 10 games, including a game where he was 20.42 on the ice, a goal, two shots, six hits, 3.22 power play time on ice in a May overtime loss versus Vegas. But Kraus and Fisher both played with a rotating cast of low liners all year. So my question, are these guys going to be regular established 14-minute type low liners who stick in the lineup nightly and generally are, are mean to opposing skaters by hitting them a lot? Or uh, is there a big offensive upside for one or the other? I would definitely prefer Lawson Kraus in terms of offensive upside. Um, you know, Last year, I think he only had the four goals, but you know he had so many scoring chances throughout the year. And you know, just a snake bit, and those pucks just weren't going in for him. So I think Lawson Krause is definitely the, the higher upside player. And it's like you said, he, you know, he plays a real physical game and, you know, has become a fan favorite in Arizona because of it. So I think Lawson Krause definitely would be the, the higher ceiling player out of those two. Um, Christian Fisher, uh, he's another one of those guys that, you know, he had a good rookie season, but, you know, hasn't really done a whole lot since. So uh, assuming he survived the expansion draft, assuming he's back next year, um, I would like to see what he could do with, you know, the, the new head coaching staff or the new coaching staff. So um, I think he had 33 points as a rookie and he's had 38 in three seasons since. So um, definitely some, you know, I think there's more there that could the, the more potential to be, to be tapped into. So, um, you know, he's still only 24. So we'll see, you know, if a new coaching staff can get more out of Christian Fisher next year. But uh, I definitely would prefer Lawson Krause when it comes to uh, fantasy hockey. Nice. So another guy, well, the last four that we're going to talk about is Barrett Hayden. And Barrett Hayden has been, you know, somewhat controversial since he was drafted fifth overall back in 2018. And the Coyotes have had a history of kind of making these these sort of surprising picks that, you know, they claim this is the number one guy on our board and uh, everyone else is kind of scratching their head. Um, but they're adamant that that they're the best player. And uh, so far that hasn't really come true. Although, you know, Hayden's obviously still very young. I, I think for a while he was one of the higher, higher rated prospects who hadn't played in the NHL. We can't say that anymore because he now played 34 has played 34 total NHL games and has just seven points total to his name. And so that's a little, you know, unfortunate, you know, in terms of like, uh, expectations he's yet to get over 11 minutes and 30 time on ice although he did get a pretty big power play time on ice bump this season of almost two minutes more than what he had his 18 seconds in his rookie season uh, he didn't register an average of one shot on goal 0.7 shots per goal that's very disappointing in his 14 games this season uh, he's sort of middle to the bottom in terms of Corsi and expected goals percent on the team. So, you know, not not great, but not terrible either. Uh, the positive is that he was third in expected goals per 60 behind Kessel and ahead of 
the next, uh, I guess, star forward on this team, Connor Garland, if you want to call him that. So, you know, I guess the question about Hayden is, is have we just com- been really unrealistic with our expectations of him or is he kind of coming along? You know, when he's played internationally against peers at his level, he has been awesome. So you know, I think it's important to keep that in mind that he has been great in those other situations. And so it's just kind of uh, maybe it's just growing pains or maybe we just need to th- readjust our expectations and think of him more as a middle to bottom six center. You tell me, what do you think of him? I think last year was just a rough year for him. You know, it was obviously a rough year for all of us with you know, COVID and all that stuff. But you know, last year for, for Barrett Hayden, I think was just a rough year for him. You know, he played some, he spent some time in Finland in the, in the Liga over there. He spent some time in the AHL this year. Um, you know, obviously spent some time with the Coyotes, played 14 NHL games this year. So I think he was kind of all over the place. You know, he played in a lot of different leagues. Um, didn't really have enough time to, uh, to, you know, get, I guess you'd say get settled in anywhere. Um, so I've, I'm kind of willing to write off last season as a, as kind of a fluke for him. And I'm excited to see what he can do next year. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, he's had success everywhere he's been. You know, he was great in junior, you know, great in the world juniors. You know, he's, he's, he's been great everywhere he's, he's, he's been except the NHL so far. But I think next year will be, you know, his third year as a pro. And I think he'll, he'll be able to take that next step and, and emerge as a, as a reliable option for Arizona next year. Um, you know, I think he'll, he'll probably be playing top six minutes and we'll see, you know, if his production, you know, kind of keeps him in that role next year. But I think uh, opening night, he'll be a top six center or top six forward next year for the Coyotes. He's a center though, right? He's not going to play wing, right? You think? Um, I, yeah, I think they want to keep him at center. You know, that's the whole thing with the Coyotes is they want to draft and develop a first line center that they haven't had since, you know, the days of Jeremy Rudnick and Keith Kachuk. So that's the whole thing is, is they want a first line center. And uh, I think they're going to you know play him at center just to see you know if, if they have indeed found that guy or not. Yeah, 34 NHL games played is nothing. I mean, he he really deserves, um, you know, at, at least a couple hundred before we make firm decisions on him. And that's that's a couple seasons from now. So good to hear that there's optimism there. I still have my doubts that he will be a high scoring player, but I, I definitely think he can be an effective uh, top six center. So let's hope that that works out. Uh, okay, let's move over to the defense. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's, it probably or in last year's preseason, we we certainly talked about a different defenseman first, but we have to start, of course, with Jacob Chikrin, who had just an amazing season this year. Jesse and I, when we were ranking defensemen, he was in there. He was in our top 50, but he was kind of in the latter half. Uh, Jesse had him 35th, I had him 39th. So basically, we were definitely in the latter third, and he was third overall, a third overall in terms of fantasy defensemen for standard categories. And anyone who had him and I happened to draft him in a couple of, of leagues later and uh, he was my best defenseman. And that was, that was a huge steal. And anyone who did that uh, is, is very happy. You probably did very well in your leagues because of that. The 60 point pace was, uh, uh, you know, I think a bit of a coming out party, you know, he'd been kind of in the twenties and thirties um, and he almost doubled his pace from last season, which is pretty fantastic. But I think the better part with all of that is that he had a 60 point pace, with just over uh, 3.1 shots per game and over 50% of the power play time, which is something that we'd, we'd all kind of been you know thinking about, would it be him? Would it be OEL? It had always been OEL who didn't seem as to me anyways, as offensively minded 
Um, so that was good to finally see him get that. He also, along with those points, he had a hit per game and nearly two blocks per game, which is just mwah, for fantasy lovers, right? We, we love that <laughs> multi-category guys. The 16th overall pick from 2016, I think it's safe to say he's finally arrived. And I should mention that he set highs, career highs for PDO, IPP, power play IPP, the points participation, and shooting percentage. So all of that suggests uh, he was pretty lucky. And it may suggest that he's going to regress a little bit. So I'm not sure that we can say he's going to be even better or even as good as he was. Um, but I guess the question I want to ask you is he going to continue to be a top five defenseman in fantasy? Because he certainly ended up that way. And if he regresses, if not, if he regresses, like how far down the list do you think he goes? What you know is his, how far down is his point pace and and his other peripherals going to fall off? Absolutely, I think like you said, yeah, you know, he had, a, had an outstanding year last year, and I don't think it'd be a stretch to say he had the best season by a Coyotes defenseman ever. Um, you know, OEL had some some higher years where he scored more goals, but that was in 82 games, you know, uh, Chikrin had I think, 18 goals in 56 games last year. So he was definitely on pace to break all those franchise records and, you know, for points, you know, goals, especially. So, um, you know, this was the first year where he was actually healthy too. Um, you know, he's had some injury struggles in his first couple of years. Um, so this was his first year actually fully healthy for the, for the whole year. And, and you saw the results. So, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember when in his draft year, he was, you know, he was, you know, being kind of being mentioned as a possibility to be a, a top five pick you know, early on and, you know, um, we kind of fell off a little bit in his draft year. His stock dropped a little bit and the, the Coyotes were able to get him at 16th overall. And, um, you know, he's, he's definitely made that pick look very good uh, this past season. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be a top five option next year. Like you said, there, there's probably bound to be some regression in his game, especially with the, uh, with the goals, but he had 12 last year in 63 games. So um, he's definitely an offensive minded defenseman. And, you know, he had a, a good partner last year in Alex Goligoski who, you know, enabled, you know, him to play more offensive role. Um, so I could definitely see if they bring back Oligoski next year or, or a similar defenseman, stay-at-home defenseman to, to kind of let him do his thing. I could see a similar year next year out of Jacob Chicken, but, um, you know, I'm not sure if he'll have the 60-point pace or the 30-goal pace for that matter. Um, but I think he could definitely, you know, potentially score 20 goals next year. Quick follow-up. Do you think, barring injury, because obviously that derails everything, do you think he's a top 10 defenseman at least, or do you think he slides into that 10 to 20 range? I could definitely see him as a top 10 defenseman. You know, like you said, health is the biggest thing for him. You know, this was the first time he played the whole season without uh, missing games. Um, but yeah, the health is, is a, is a big thing, but if, if, if he's healthy, he's definitely a top 10 defenseman. Like you said, he's not going to, Oliver Ekman Larson has kind of fallen off a little bit, especially in terms of that, that power play role. So um, Chickren's going to be killing penalties a lot. He'll be you know, out there on the power play a lot. He'll be, you know, playing 25 minutes a night. So um, definitely a lot of value there in fantasy hockey for him. So I, I think he's definitely a top 10 option. What I don't understand, and and uh, we're, we just talked Chickren, we're about to talk OEL, but going into the season, I feel like Victor was very much team Chickren and I was more team OEL. I mean, uh, subjectively, I think when we were talking about it, that's where it was. And yet somehow... I had Chikorin ranked higher than Victor, and Victor had OEL ranked higher than I did. And and it doesn't make sense. That's one of those where we did our rankings and it did one thing. So in prices right terms, I would have won Chikorin because I was closer to the value. But in OEL, we both would have lost because he he came in under. 
but I still credit Victor as, as seeing this chick room breakout a little bit more than I did. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> I get to talk about all the long contract guys today. Nobody <laughs> else, the next one, he actually finished 65th. Uh, and and the captain definitely has been on the decline, as you said, Lewis. And even if our numbers don't fully capture the decline was there this year, OEL seems to have been surpassed, dropping from his career 23-26 average time on ice to, to basically 21 minutes was discouraging. Only thing to keep in mind is that he missed 10 games. He hit his leg oddly against the boards in an early game of the season. And so it kind of makes me wonder how healthy he was for the rest of the year and how much maybe that opened the door a little bit for Chikorin. He's going to be 30 next year. His peripherals have fallen way off. Uh, you know, there's always been trade rumors about him, but I feel like that's hopeful, wishful thinking trade rumors that have come from other teams who just feel like small market teams or or uh, less uh, less prominent hockey uh, market teams uh, just don't deserve to have their players, and so they should all be traded to Toronto and Montreal, which always irritates me. Uh, but uh, I think it's been that kind of trade rumor more than the Coyotes are trying to get rid of this guy rumor by far. So, But my question is, is he going to become OEL, uh, the OEL we have known and loved, or at least a few years ago type OEL who used to be a fantasy star? Is he trade bait in this offseason? What, what is going to happen with this guy? That is a great question. Um, I think a lot of people in Arizona are, are wondering the same thing, kind of like we, we said about uh, Clayton Keller, if he was going to be able to rebound. Um, you know, OEL, I think he scored 44 goals in two years, a couple of years ago, like you said. So he put up those big numbers, and then he scored 52 goals in five years since. So um, definitely a drop-off, especially this year with, with only three goals. Um, you know, I think he has been surpassed in the number one defenseman role by Jacob Chikrin, you know, especially from the, on the power play. Um but I would like to see what he can do with the new coaching staff. You know, there's always been kind of whispers that him and, and Rick Tockett um, didn't really see eye to eye here. So um, that would explain kind of the decrease in usage and the decrease in, in points output. Um, so like you said, 30 years old for a defenseman isn't, isn't ancient by any means. Uh, so he's definitely still in his prime, definitely still capable of, of being the Oliver Ekman Larson that we all saw, you know, five, six years ago. Um, but I'm just not sure if, if he'll be able to do that with his role being you know, diminished with Jacob Chikrin or, or anything like that, you know, um, especially like you, like you mentioned his health. He, he's missed games the last couple of years. So um, I'm not sure if, if he'll ever return to being what he used to be, but he, he could probably return to being a top 30, top 40 option. Well, I we we generally, uh, Lewis, only talk about the guys who are going to be part of the team next year, but I'll just give a quick shout to Alex Goligoski. He left, but uh, he was the 42nd overall defenseman in our rankings as they came out, even though uh, Victor and I did not rank him in our top 50. Now, you know, 42 and a little after 50, not too much difference, but shouts to him. But let's talk about the crease. And that was interesting this year, to say the least. Uh, Darcy Kemper, we thought was going to be really a very strong goalie coming into the year. He was very highly rated in fantasy. Victor had him third, I had him 12th, definitely in that top tier. Uh, actually, he finished 26th. He was a middle-of-the-road goalie this year, starting about half the games. Disappointing because the last three years, he was just great, Darcy Kemper. He missed a few weeks for a lower body injury between March and April, and then was sort of poor for the nine games he played after his return. So that definitely impacted his final line. And weirdly, he missed all the games against Colorado, except for the two periods of the game where he got injured. So, you know, that's uh, <laughs> that probably helped him, <laughs> his overall <laughs> line. Uh, but presumably, 
as we break down this crease, he's going to be the goalie that Arizona protects in the Seattle draft upcoming. Uh, and we'll have to see if he can bounce back. But let me just mention the other two goalies uh, so we can, you know, because I, I kind of want to get your sense of where this position is going. Aiden Hill, kind of the prototypical quad A goalie is how I think of him. Not terrible. But when he inherits the net, which he always seemed to because the other guys always seem to get hurt. So Aiden always ends up coming up the road from Tucson and getting a few starts every year. He doesn't really feel, at least me, with optimism. I don't know how the Coyotes feel in terms of whether he kind of keeps up that pace. Maybe I'm too low on him, um, but I don't know. Maybe you think he could be a tandem starter at some point. And then you got Antti Ranta. His contract is up, so he's not necessarily going to be back next year. But uh, I'll ask you uh, whether they are somebody who uh, is going to be back from your perspective. So tell me about this goalie situation. And is it just going to be Kemper backed up by Hill next year or or what do you think is going to happen in this net? Absolutely. I think next year is, is going to be um, definitely Darcy Kemper. He'll definitely be the protected player. Um, Aiden Hill could possibly be the Seattle pick. Um, and he's got ties in Seattle. He actually played his, his, his uh, junior hockey in Portland when the Pacific Northwest. So he's kind of, you know, people in the area know Aiden Hill. So um, it would not surprise me if he was the Seattle Kraken's draft pick this year. Um, in that case, I would, I would you know, expect the carriers to maybe re-sign Antti Ranta. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely had some trouble with injuries the last couple of years. And I would, you know, right now I would say that if Aiden Hill is back, Antti Ranta will not be back next year. Um, but if Aiden Hill is, is selected, Antti Ranta might, you know, they might have to bring him back because they won't have a, a backup. So, um, but definitely this is Darcy Kemper's crease. Um, like you said, he, he's, he's missed some time with injuries the last couple of years, but you know, when he is healthy, yeah, he has been great. Um, just you know, really not the case last year, but I think that's, you know, a whole Arizona Coyotes across the board thing more than, than Darcy Kemper. Um, you know, didn't really get them a whole, whole lot of help last year. And um, it was just kind of a, a down year for, for the Coyotes as a whole. You know, usually, you know, they've been a, a good defensive team, but we're not last year. So I think a rebound could be coming next year. And Darcy Kemper definitely would have some some value. You know, 907 save percentage last year, but, you know, he was great his, his first two years in Arizona. So I definitely could see the rebound next year for Darcy Kemper. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think you know, a lot of things could happen. And I wonder, you mentioned a couple of options there. Who do you think Seattle takes in terms of the the player that they're going to walk away with? Absolutely. Yeah. We've been doing the expansion draft thing here at the hockey writer, which I'm sure will be coming out soon. And uh, I think that pretty much the consensus is it would be Aiden Hill, just based on the fact that the quality isn't really there when it comes to the forwards. I think Seattle will be able to choose from maybe Johan Larson or Tyler Pitlick or someone like that on, on, on offense or on defense, they'd have Ilya Labushkin. So I think uh, Aiden Hill would be probably the logical choice for Seattle. Um, so unless maybe they offer up a draft pick or something like that to, to not pick him, I think Aiden Hill would, would probably be Seattle's pick for the expansion draft. Yeah, I've been part of that. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and I made a fun trade that I'm not going to spoil right now. But I'm wondering if you if you were you active in that uh, process as well. Yeah, absolutely. We made a trade as well. So I'm um, excited for for the article to come out, and you know, for all of us to see the uh, the how the trades and everything went down. Yeah, so definitely check that out when it comes out in the next week or two here from the hockey writers. Tremendous. Well, let's take a short break and talk a little bit about this Arizona Coyotes prospect system. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. with the dynasty dig talking Arizona Coyotes prospects Arizona should be picking 11th but Lewis they forfeited their pick because they were doing all kinds of cheating scouting on people <laughs> and got themselves John Chica uh, playing all those uh, sharp angles got himself in some trouble uh, and uh, you know just disappeared in the dark of the night they have a uh, second round picks uh, st- a second round pick for the Stepan trade a couple years back and a fourth round pick for Kessel, but they're missing their third round pick as part of the Taylor Hall business and their seventh round pick. Prospecting tool that we look at, hockey prospecting model, says the system is 24th. So not great, not great. But uh, Victor is going to give us hope. And uh, Victor, tell us about the no brainer prospect. All right. Yeah. The no brainer prospect for the Arizona Coyotes is Jan Janik. And, uh, that he is a 20 year old who suffered a major knee injury at last year's U 20 world junior championships. So it was good to see him fully recovered and make his professional debut, which he did in three, three different leagues this year. It's kind of a theme from some of these players who, who played in multiple leagues. So he was on loan to Katera in the, in the Mestis in the, in the league over there, eight points in seven games. And he played most of his time with the Tucson Roadrunners of the AHL at 14 points in 29 games. And then he came over to the NHL and played two games, which happened to be against my Sharks, where he scored two goals. And I think that should probably just count as part of his AHL production, quite frankly, because the Sharks were so bad. Um, but, yeah, it was good to see him. He, he definitely looked good. He he uh, he dropped over 11 minutes of time on ice going from the OHL to the AHL, as kind of would be expected, from 25 to 13, 48 but he managed to increase his hits from 1.08 to 1.11. He is a physical player, and so that's an important part of him and what makes him appealing in fantasy as well. His shots were another story, though. He was landing 3.5 shots per game for Hamilton of the OHL, and he didn't quite reach two in the AHL, so that was a bit of an adjustment period. But he did manage to still drive play in the AHL at 52% Corsi. The hockey prospecting model, it's really interesting because he has... Uh, some equivalencies that are kind of all over the board. He started off in the in the Czech League, and then he uh, ended up not having a great equivalency in his draft season because he just didn't play enough games in the in the different Czech leagues that he played in. And then he came over to the OHL where he had some some great numbers, and his draft plus two season up to a fifty one percent NHL or fifty one NHL equivalency, and then last season in the AHL. So. It's kind of all up and down, but he finished the model this season at a 6% chance of being a star with a 60% chance of being an NHLer. And he, the, his comparables are guys like David Krejci, um, Martz Fados, and actually the one he looks the most like is actually Mark Stone. 
Uh, of course, Mark Stone is is such a stud now, but people forget he was a sixth round pick um, back in in 2010, and he didn't really have a high likelihood of being a star. So it's actually pretty similar to what uh, John Jenick has, uh, and so you know we'll have to see if he can if if he can end up being like a Mark Stone or maybe more of a, a replacement or average type producer. So. You know, even though he doesn't have the biggest points upside, I think the best thing for him, he's got that multi-category type value that I think could be really valuable. Uh, his skating has always been an issue, but that has improved a bit. Uh, and quite frankly, there really isn't anyone on Arizona's farm that's anywhere near as exciting as he is. So, Lewis, do you want to do you want to give your take on what you think Jenik's possibilities are and what, you know, when we'll kind of see him. He seems like you know, he already made his NHL debut. So maybe he's part of the conversation as early as 21, 22 for the, for the coyotes. Absolutely. Like you said, he scored, you know, the, the two goals in two games at the end of the season. So you're, you really couldn't have hoped for a better debut from him. Um, you know, also, like you mentioned, he had the, the big knee injury a couple of years ago, which kind of slowed him down a little bit. So this was his, his first year back from that, you know, he, he tore the, his knee up at the 2020 world juniors. So this was his first year kind of coming back from that. So that's always an adjustment for someone that's had a, a major knee injury. Um, but he still managed to have some success, you know, had 14 points in, in 29 games in, in the AHL. And, you know, like we said, he had the two goals in, in the NHL this year. So I think that knee will continue to get better as, as he progresses. And, and he, he, he's, you know, he's still only 20 years old, like we mentioned. So um, definitely some time for him to, to, to get it going. And I think he'll be, you know, I think he's going to get an NHL role next year. Um, whether that's in the middle six, whether that's on the fourth line, I don't. I'm not sure yet, but um, I think he'll he'll be an NHLer next year. He, he definitely has the uh, the pedigree. Yeah, I'm excited to see him, and I, I probably should have said his name right from the beginning. It's Jan Yannick. Um, yeah, Jan Yannick. I think yeah. So Jesse, I wanted to pose a question to you. When I plugged Jan Yannick's um, name into Fantalytica, and I tried to garner some comparables based on our points leagues. He seemed like Sean Couturier and Timo Meyer on the high end and on the low end, more like a Matt Zuccarello or a Kyle Palmieri, which are all fantasy relevant guys. So where do you kind of see him end up in terms of variance? And, you know, would you trade any of these guys for him specifically? Well, first of all, if he's unique, I don't understand how we can compare to any of these guys, Victor. But um, <laughs> let's uh, let's go through them uh, one at a time. That's not how it's spelled. It starts with a J, okay? Uh, and I know that. Uh, his goal in his first two games made him the second player in franchise history to score a goal in his first two games. Following Christian Fisher, that's your trivia question of the day. Who is another semi-hyped prospect with a physical upside? Just saying. No way I give up Couturier or Meyer in a trade for Yannick. I would love to trade the other two for value in a dynasty. Palmieri and Zuccarello are both guys that I'm trying to get off if I'm in a deeper dynasty. I would ordinarily think of Palmieri as a guy who kind of belongs in a streamer conversation, not a permanent lineup situation except in a very deeper league. But his hot postseason this year... And a surprisingly young age of 30 might mean that he is a little more valuable right now in trade than he otherwise would be, would be my thought. Zuccarello is 34, and he's got a lot of mileage on him. And I suspect really is one of those guys who you just can't get anything for in terms of a trade, except except that he plays all the time with uh, Kirill Kaprizov. 82% of his minutes last year were with Kaprizov. So, you know, if he keeps that up. So right now you're kind of making a bet. 
uh, you're betting uh, if you want to keep if you want to trade Zuccarello, you're betting that Bill Guerin is going to sign a right winger <laughs> and and therefore make Zuccarello irrelevant from that perspective. So anyway, none of this has to do with Yannick. So uh, let me go back to that. I'd say he's a fair return, uh, especially for Zuccarello. Uh, if you want to, I personally would value him below Paul Mary in terms of uh, vacuum value, but because of Paul Mary's hot postseason, I would be trying to pull back even more than him at this point. Maybe Yannick plus a, a draft pack or something like that in, in a future draft. All right, Victor, let's move on. Who is your need-to-know prospect? All right, so this is going to be Victor Soderstrom. The 2019 11th overall pick played all of his draft plus one season in the SHL for Brinas. 16 points in 35 games is his draft plus two season. He started in the Alzvekstan uh, where he had six points in 12 games and he crossed the pond, came over to North America and he played 32 games for the Tucson Roadrunners of the AHL. He had 10 points in that time. He also played, before that, played five games for Sweden at the U-20 World Juniors, picked up five assists, and he looked really good against players in his age group. And remember that Sweden dealt with a lot of COVID issues and didn't really have a full team. And so a lot really fell on him and some of the other guys who were there. And, you know, they performed admirably, but it, it wasn't it wasn't their tournament for sure. Um, and he in, ended up getting called up four games this season and for the NHL. Early January, he had two games against the Golden Knights, uh, which didn't go great. And then he was back in the AHL. And then he came back for those two games against the Sharks, where, of course, he scored. And again, that should just be AHL production because anybody can score against the Sharks these days. But he did look pretty good. I mean, he definitely did not look out of place in those later games where he did early on. And I don't think it's just a quality of competition thing. It seemed like there was some nice progression of his skill uh, up up towards the end of the season there. The hockey prospecting model, he is currently in his draft plus two season, which was certainly COVID impacted. He didn't have the highest star potential when he was drafted, just at 1%. That has gone up to four since then. And 44% chance of being an NHLer. So not super great equivalency. Doesn't have the best comparables. Um, guys like Robert Hag uh, and Nikita Nesterov. He does have a comparable of Brian Rafalski, who was a star but looked terrible in the model. Um, so I don't think that's very likely. So I wanted to see how he compared to some of the other young Swedish players. So I pulled up a comparison to Eric Brandstrom of, of the Ottawa Senators. And Brandstrom just looks uh, way better in in many ways. He's got a really nice progression of his NHL equivalency up to a 75% chance of being a star. So I really don't think there's a likelihood of Soderstrom being close to that type of production points-wise, but he certainly has a lot of physical tools where he could, you know, probably play in the league. You know, maybe he's more of of a bottom second to bottom pairing guy uh, who might get some power play time, but is probably more of a two way. Um, that's, that's my take. What, what do you, where do you think he kind of ends up Lewis in terms of like uh, his, his in, in the NHL? I, I think the Coyotes have a lot of high hopes for, for Victor Soderstrom. Um, you know, he was the 11th overall pick two years ago. Um, so there's definitely some, some potential there. He, he was, uh, I think he was ranked as the number one right hand D um, in his draft class. So, um, you know, he definitely has the pedigree. Definitely, there's some potential there. And like you said, he had some success in the end of the season in that limited look against the Sharks. Um, you know, 
And, uh, you know, definitely a COVID impact season for him. You know, he spent time in, in three different professional leagues. He went to the world juniors. So, um, you know, that was a tough year for everybody, but he was, you know, he was kind of all over the place playing hockey everywhere. So, um, you know, next year, I think, especially with Arizona's situation on the blue line, they only have about three defensemen under contract right now. So, um, if you're looking for a young player, that's, that's probably going to play, you know, 60, 70 games next year and probably play, you know, top four at minutes, maybe. And Victor Sorosham could be that guy. And uh, it would not surprise me to see him, you know, break out a little bit, especially if he's partnered with maybe Ekman Larson or, or Jacob Chikrin. So, um, yeah, I think he's got some upside, but he might still be a couple of years away. But um, I think he's he's definitely a guy that's going to play a lot of NHL games next year. So the potential is always there for him to have a nice rookie season. Yeah, it was a very interesting draft that 2019, which was high, headlined by that 1819 USNTDP team that had a ton of draft picks. Uh, there was a few defensemen taken ahead of him, Bowen Byram, Moritz Sider, Philip Broberg. I think I would definitely like Byram and Sider better than Soderstrom, but I'm not so sure about Broberg. Um, there were a few defensemen taken after him that I'm curious, uh, Jesse, to get your take on. Would you take any of these guys after Victor Soderstrom? We had Cam York going 14th overall to Philly. We had Thomas Harley, who we just talked about in the Dallas episode, going to Dallas at 18. Uh, Lassie Thompson, who I'm not going to include as one of the options, he went to Ottawa at 19. But Billy Hainola uh, went 20th to Winnipeg. So between your Carly Hainola, are you going to take any or all of them maybe over Victor Soderstrom for fantasy specifically? Yeah, sorry. I am going to take those guys over Soderstrom at this point. The hockey prospecting models do show them with a higher upside in terms of star possibilities. I do like, we, we talked about Soderstrom a little bit in the New York Rangers episode. I like that he's already up to the NHL and he is on that, you know, somewhat somewhat uh, fluid Arizona Coyotes roster, shall we say. Uh, available stats say he didn't do a lot of hitting in Tucson, which is something that bothers me a little bit. <laughs> Although four hits in uh, four games in Arizona and uh, my new suspicions raised toward the Arizona scorekeeper says maybe he will get more hits when he's up there. <laughs> But uh, the one thing I would say uh, that we have to keep in mind, and, and Lewis kind of kind of uh, referenced it when he was talking, his point production in Tucson was not great. His stats were not great there. But remember, this is a kid from Sweden who just turned 20 outside of his country playing hockey for the first time in his life. And what happened to the guys this year who went overseas and played in a team in like Tucson? They basically were you know, they basically were holed up in the Weston uh, or or the Marriott or wherever they put them up in Tucson and, and did not get to interact with their countrymen. So they've got the culture shock. They've got the isolation that comes there. There was a nice article in the Arizona Central about Soderstrom's transition, said that he really missed family and friends as he came over here, again, just as a 20-year-old. And it got better at the end of the season because apparently his girlfriend came over. So that's good because... Uh, you know, we know that like the Washington Capitals, four of them get together and try to play cards in a hotel room and they get suspended. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's just a very, very kind of traumatic personal situation for a guy to be in. So I, I like to think there is a good chance that he is going to be able to show a lot of growth next year, hopefully in a more favorable situation that he's a little bit more used to. So I'm not going to rule out a jump in performance and that could 
flip those prospecting models real fast because those really are kind of based on uh, your performance levels in different years. So I I, uh, I still have a lot of hope for Soderstrom, and he is going to have that opportunity to get into the Arizona lineup, but I haven't seen enough yet to make me want to pick him above the aforementioned York Harley and Hainola. Couldn't agree more with those, with uh, definitely those three, I would definitely want in fantasy above Soderstrom. So absolutely. I think he probably is a waiver wire guy. You know, if he has a nice start, he might be worth the, worth the pickup, but I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't draft him just quite yet. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Keep an eye on him. Well, speaking of keeping your eye on him, Victor, your next prospect is the patented keep your eye on prospect. And who is it? This is Matthias McKelly. I think I've met, I've said Michelli in the past, but apparently it's McKelly, M-A-C-C-E-L-L-I. He's Finnish. He's the 2019 fourth round pick, and he's really made tremendous strides since he was drafted. Uh, probably fell mainly because he's a little bit undersized. I mean, he's 5'11", not that small, but he's a creative, dynamic playmaker. Uh, he's definitely had some struggles with skating, and that was always his biggest issue. He spent his draft season in the USHL and then went back to his native Finland where he posted 30 points in 43 games, winning Rookie of the Year in the SM Liga. And so that was really good to see. Uh, That was last season. And then he was playing for Finland at the World Juniors where they looked really good. He had five points in seven games there. And then he returned to Ilves uh, this past season for his draft plus two season where he scored nine more points in just eight more games. And so that's pretty fantastic. Looking at the hockey prospecting model, he, you know, didn't look great in his, I mean, he was okay in his draft season, 12% chance of being a star. And then he um, had similar equivalency, but it didn't go up enough to move the needle. And so he's kind of gone down in his star potential down to 3%, but still a 47% chance of being a star. A lot of his comparables are guys like uh, Frederick Gauthier and Brendan Lemieux, not super big scores, uh, although Scott Hartnell is one of them on there. And But the guy I decided to pull up the comparison to is, uh, you know, I know Dauber has mentioned a couple of times that he sees his upside as Clayton Keller, who, of course, as a teammate, is a fun guy to compare him to. And when you look at Clayton Keller's equivalency, it's much, much, much higher. In fact, it's almost it is more than double this season what it was in the past. So he had a 65% NHL equivalency in his draft plus two season, Clayton Keller did, and Matthias McKelly had 32. So uh, if he is going to be a Clayton Keller type, it doesn't seem like he's going to have the same amount of production. And we just talked uh, about some disappointment in Clayton Keller's game and the, the pro part. So, you know, I, we'll have to see. I guess my guess is that he comes back to North America next season and probably gets some AHL time. And if that goes well, maybe he gets some cup of coffee in the NHL. But, uh, you know, he he definitely uh, has some skill that seems like the Coyotes could use uh, if, if that foot speed can work itself out and if he can find a role. He really should be a top to middle six guy. Um, so wh- where do you see him landing at, uh, uh, Lewis? I think next year is going to be an AHL season for him. Um, uh, things could always change, but I think next year probably would be an AHL season for him as he comes back and makes the adjustment back to uh, hockey in North America. Um, I don't think it'll be as much of an adjustment as Soderstrom, um, you know, since Maselli did play in the USHL for two years. So he's, he's been in North America. I played on, on the North American ice. 
Um, but I think next season could be an AHL season for him. Um, in terms of the Clayton Keller comparables, um, yeah, they're both five foot ten. They're both about 170 pounds. So, you know, similar body, similar body size. Um, you know, they both play an offensive game. So I, I can see the, the comparables, but I'm not sure if, you know, it's, it's, you know, that might be a little going a little too far as of yet. You know, Keller's been in the NHL already, He's, you know, show that he can produce at the NHL level. So we'll have to see with uh, with Michelli uh, if he can get that done next year or not, or if it's going to be a two or three year thing. But, uh, you know, I kind of am leading to see him in the AHL next year, um, you know, get some top six minutes. Um, you know, the Coyotes have a, a pretty full group of forwards. So I'm not sure if, if uh, you know, he'd be able to get into the lineup next year and play a meaningful role. So I'd rather see him play that, the meaningful minutes in Tucson next year. Yeah, he might be a killer, but he's no Connor Garland, right? Uh, <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Connor Garland spent uh, you know three <laughs> years in the AHL, and you know had to had to you know work hard for for everything. So um, yeah, I, I could see it. You know, he's he's a fourth round pick. You know, Gar- Garland was a fifth round pick. So you know those late round guys always have a chip on their shoulder. They want to come up and improve themselves. So I could I could see it, but uh, I think he's still a couple of years away. Yeah, it's just found money in those rounds. Um, so Jesse, according to Fanalytica, I plugged he, he and Soderstrom into the model there, and uh, it, it was decidedly in the favor of McKelly there. Much, much higher um, projected points in his first full NHL season over Soderstrom. So I'm wondering, you know, obviously we're talking about a fourth round pick here versus a first round pick, and we know that a lot of fantasy managers uh, just end up going mostly by the NHL draft, you know, so they, you know, they're going to pick, I'm sure Soderstrom is on a ton of teams. And if you had McKelly on, uh, on your team somehow, or, or you had, no, I'm sorry, let me phrase that differently. If you had Soderstrom on your team, would you swap him for McKelly on someone who had him rostered? And, and just in general, the idea of swapping a forward for a D. I would probably lean Soderstrom uh, just based on the fact that a right-hand D is a little harder to find. And uh, the fact that he might have a better chance to play NHL minutes next year, especially with Arizona being, you know, pretty thin on the blue line right now. So I think Soderstrom could have the the bigger impact next year, but long-term, I think McCallie would be someone to keep an eye on. You know, he's had success in the Finnish league. He's had success in the UHL. So he could be a guy that, you know, you know, surprises as a mid-round pick. But next year, I think I would go Soderstrom. Nice. I would, Jesse. I I would agree with Lewis on this. Uh, Even though it sounds like I'm down on Soderstrom because I think literally every single time you've asked me to make a choice involving him, I picked the other guy over Soderstrom. But the more general point on this, because you talk about forward for D, and it really depends on the format of your league. It's easy to say that a forward is going to get more points than a defenseman, but basically forwards get more points than defensemen. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of life is good forwards, even in fantasy, are going to get fewer points. So I've come to the conclusion, like in our common dynasty league, where you have to start five defensemen every night and there's 14 teams, that a super valuable defenseman is almost the most valuable commodity you can have in the league, just because the replacement value for a waiver wire defenseman is so low compared to even some of the forwards that you can pick up, older forwards and so forth. Ceiling for guys is always ceiling relative to replacement level for me. That said, you always want to favor big upside. Uh, you know, if, if Soderstrom's upside really is cap, but then again, with the transition to North America, I do think that there's a little bit of question whether the statistical models are catching everything 
regarding his potential for future performance. Uh, but if you have confidence, you can outcompete your competition as well. I think it's going to be easier to find impact forwards coming around in the pool than it will be even for impact defenders. And Soderstrom seems to be moving into an impact role with this team. I, I think this was referenced earlier, but there are only four defensemen under contract for, uh, well, there's three There's three pro defensemen under contract for next year, Lou Bushkin, OEL, and Chikrin. And then Soderstrom presumably is the next guy there. Now Arizona has a ton of cap room and somebody's going to take that money. Uh, they, they have to sign a few of them, but I think there's a very reasonable case that Soderstrom's going to have an impact in the pro defense next year and is a guy who I will still have interest in. So I'm going to take the chance on Soderstrom, even with the warts that we've already discussed. Let's move on. Who do you got for the rest in this prospect system, Victor? Yeah, the only other guy I wanted to talk about is the goalie. They have a pretty high-end goalie, Ivan Prosvetov, who is in his draft plus three season right now. And, you know, he is a, a pretty, you know, high, high-end prospect Um I pulled up the hockey prospecting model to kind of have a comparison, which, uh, you know, Byron doesn't list comparables, but I wanted to uh, compare him to someone that, that I know. And I think a lot of our listeners probably know, and that's Alexei Melnichuk, who's the Sharks goalie uh, who was undrafted, but has some hype, you know, coming out of that SCA system. And certainly the opportunity there in San Jose is wide open. Um, not so much in Arizona with some pretty decent options, especially Darcy Kemper, most notably. So Prosvitov has pretty similar numbers, actually, to Melnichuk. So I think if if you're excited about Melnichuk, you should be excited about Prosvitov because the, the NHL equivalency is pretty similar. It's, it's just a smidge lower. I, I think if you think of him just a smidge lower in terms of this model, it's, it's just a little bit lower than Melnichuk. Um, but of course, part of that is that he played for the Tucson Roadrunners primarily this season, and they were awful. They were the worst team in the division. And so his 895 save percentage and 3.54 goals against, um, you know, he went nine and nine for a terrible team. And I sounds, I mean, I didn't watch the, a lot of the games, but it sounds like he did his best. And uh, he's a huge goalie, he's six foot five, very good positionally, can be athletic. Um, I think I think the future is pretty bright for him. I think that if they do take if the Kraken do take Aiden Hill, which I think makes the most sense from what I've seen too, uh, they'll be bummed, but I don't think they'll be too upset because frankly, Prosvitov is a better prospect than Hill, even though Hill has shown a little bit more at the NHL level, obviously at this point. I think he's probably pegged as their goalie of the future, Prosvitov is. And uh, let me know if you think, if you disagree with any of that. Uh, am I out of line with Prosvitov, or is that what you're thinking, Lewis? I think uh, you're, you're right, right in the money. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely you know, a rising star here in Arizona. Um, you know, like you said, last year was a rough year for the Tucson Roadrunners. And, uh, you know, Prosvitov played three NHL games, which just happened to be he came in in relief for Darcy Kemper, I think, in Colorado after he gave up, you know, three goals in the first seven minutes. And then he played a game against Vegas, and then he played another game against Colorado. So not exactly, you know, the, the easiest debut for him. Those um, games think, don't count. <laughs> yeah, those you can kind of wipe that out, um, especially that first Colorado game. You know, it's like, hey, we're down 3-0. It's five minutes into the game. Good luck, you know. Don't don't suck sort of thing. But, um, you know, I think uh, he's, he's definitely a rising star here in Arizona. And like you said, if they do lose Aiden Hill in the expansion draft, um, 
you know, I, I think they would be fine with Prostatov in, in goal. Um, and like you mentioned, he's got that big body, six foot five, you know, prototypical big goalie that everyone wants nowadays. So, um, you know, I think as he kind of, as he comes into his own here a little bit, he's still only 22. So um, as he comes into his own here a little bit and kind of grows into his body, he definitely would be someone to, to worth keeping an eye on in Arizona, especially like if we, we talked about with, with the expansion draft that they lose Hill, he would be, you know, he'd get, get move up to that number two you know, NHL backup role unless they sign somebody. So definitely to keep someone to keep an eye on as this off season kind of, uh, you know, you know, comes together here. Yeah. You know, one more thing is I, I did pull up the equivalency to Aiden Hill and Aiden Hill, you know, I think it's much maligned. I think he's a pretty good goalie and he uh, looks pretty similar to Prasvatov. So I, I think probably Aiden Hill looks a little better, um, but uh, you know, he's, he's been around longer too. So uh, part of that uh, has to go with that. But do you think that, uh, you know, cause, cause obviously one of the big questions that that they have there in Arizona with the goalies and, and man, dirt, um, Darcy Kemper has been great, had some injury troubles, but I still feel like Ranta has bigger injury troubles. And when he's good, he's good. When he's when he's healthy, he's good. But that's rare. Uh, he needs a new contract. I have a feeling he might not be back. And if Aiden Hill goes to Seattle, is Prosvitov going to be the backup in the NHL? Is he ready for that? Um, I could I could definitely see him being ready for limited games. Um, you know, I'm not sure if he's ready to play. You know. 10, 20, 30 games as a full-time backup. But, um, you know, Darcy Kemper's had injury tr- trouble. Um, like you said, Antti Rantis had injury trouble, although I'm not sure he'll be back next year. Um, but I, I would uh, if, 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 like you said, if Hill gets drafted, I would assume they'll, they'll sign an NHL quality backup and then Prosvitov will be the starter in Tucson. So, you know, he's just an injury away from from being in the NHL again. So um, he definitely has potential to, to play NHL games next year. And, you know, with the way the Coyotes goal crease has gone recently, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, him up here for, for significant games again, just based on the fact that they can't get catch a break in terms of health. So um, Prospertop definitely will, will end up playing NHL games next year, I'm sure. Just it's a matter of how many and uh, how often. Yeah, I think he definitely would benefit most from being in the AHL, being the starter and getting more games in. So I hope I hope I do hope that if Ronta isn't back, they sign someone just to 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 be that backup because he Prasvitov needs to play more games. Uh, so he's not going to do that if he's sitting on the bench in the NHL. Absolutely, and it's tough to expect him to have success too when you're throwing him out there, you know, against Colorado and Vegas and teams like that. And it's tough when the 21 year old, 22 year old. So um, next year he should be the AHL starter ideally but we'll just have to see kind of what happens with expansion draft and free agency here. All right. Well, very good, Lewis. We appreciate all the insight on these Arizona Coyotes. I know you're doing some great work over there with the hockey writers. And why don't you let us know what you're working on and how we can catch you out on the social media and people can follow your work. Absolutely. Yeah, I got a couple of uh, articles here in the pipeline about the expansion draft, you know, the possibility for, the Coyotes to add a defenseman maybe since they have, you know, it seems like an empty spot there. They, you know, only have the two defensemen to protect. So they, you know, could theoretically add someone and not have to worry about the expansion draft. So, you know, I got an article coming up about that, you know, rebuilding that defense, you know, via the expansion draft, um, you know, some side deals maybe. And of course, we'll, you know, have some off season recaps, you know, looking ahead to next season sort of stuff. So um, a lot of stuff coming up in the pipeline. And then uh, on Twitter, I'm at Lewis Pinone, you know, I'm, you know, it's a Suns town right now, so I'm you know giving me a lot of Phoenix Suns content on there right now. But uh, you know, we'll we'll have a lot of hockey content for you, and I live tweet all the games, you know, all the home games. So 
um, you know, at Lewis Perron on Twitter. Well, hopefully Chris Paul gets back into those, uh, gets back in action, can take out his old team in the LA Clippers in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Of course, people who are listening probably already know how that started by now, but that's all right. That's all right. Go Suns. Uh, all right, uh, Lewis. Well, plenty of cap room left in the Arizona Coyotes. Not too many players under roster, so I'm sure it will be an active offseason as it comes. So we look forward to that, and people should definitely follow Lewis out on Twitter and keep up with his work at the Hockey Writers. Thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. sounds crazy but i always do enjoy talking a little bit of arizona coyotes there is always intrigue always just kind of these you know 45 point guys that i think could be 60 point guys and nobody's going to value them and as long as there's no plus minus life will be good and happy and and who knows but uh, i always do enjoy talking about them anyway yeah, you know, the, the, I think they're one of those teams that almost every year we sit back and say, "Oh, you know, I think this could be their year. They could, they could <laughs> finally get there." And, and you know, and then just a lot of things happen. And yeah, shooting themselves in the foot, making bonehead decisions. Uh, hope, hopefully, that stops. You know, for the good of the NHL and everything. But yeah, it'll be another new, completely new thing next year being in the Central. So I feel like it's a big uphill climb for them because uh, i mean they had one of the best opportunities this year in the pacific to do well except for those you know uh, you know colorado and uh and vegas at the top they had great opportunity and they didn't really take advantage of it so uh, we'll see it might just be perpetually teasing us with with being a decent team yeah and, and i believe if i'm looking at the alignments right that colorado is going to follow them to the central so that's no fun either um uh, that no, no bueno bringing, uh, bring Colorado if you're out there too. Well, a couple things to remind everybody of as we get out of here today, Fantrax sponsors this show. They are the best place to play fantasy sports, Fantrax.com. You can even uh, play, well, you can set up your hockey leagues right now. If you want to play in a league where you can customize trading draft picks, do three-way trades, real or auction salaries, incredibly deep minor player pools, conditional waiver bids, hundreds of scoring setters, whatever you like, you could probably do on Fantrax, unlike some of the other providers. Fantrax HQ is the content end of Fantrax, provides lots of content articles that you see when you're accessing your team page. There's articles on fantasy hockey and all the other sports, so continue to follow that in the offseason. I'm sure there will be some draft coverage coming up. And we're also brought to you by the Hockey Writers, where Victor Nuno is a writer. So, Victor, what are you working on? What should people look forward to seeing right now at the Hockey Writers? Well, Lewis mentioned we he was part of the mock expansion draft for Seattle. A bunch of us were part of that. One representative from each team, different writers. Our good buddy Tony Wolak was putting that together. So he got to play the GM of the Red Wings and the Kraken, which uh, was a little bit of a conflict of interest there. It was kind of fun, though. Uh, so he's in the process of picking the players, and, and everyone's going to write a story about uh, you know what who we think they're going to take. But also, we, we acted like real GMs and made trades. So you heard Lewis mention some that he made, and I made some. Uh, so you have to stay tuned to see what uh, what comes out of that and see if any of us were right. I mean, we were trying to be really realistic and not, you know, offering 
uh, silly trades that we knew would not ever happen in real life. So we tried to really put ourselves in the position. There were a couple of times where I was like, I think Doug Wilson would do this, um, but I still didn't want to do it. So (laughs) we'll have to see how realistic some of those choices are or not. Yeah, I I like going on Cap Friendly where you can do a mock Seattle expansion draft and you can like show protecting players and exposing players. I got to tell you, yeah, Tony doing both of those is a little bit of conflict of interest, but I've seen what Detroit would have to protect slash what they could expose. And I'm sure Steve Eiserman is just sitting there like, go ahead, knock yourselves out because they don't have a whole lot to protect or a whole lot that I would be too scared of losing no. if I was Detroit. They don't even have that many players under contract right now. It's pretty uh, similar well, actually with the Sharks because Wilson still has to sign players in order to meet the minimum. And there are a lot of teams that are not in that situation. They actually have too many players to protect. Like Philly, I think, is one that we talked about recently. So, yeah, it's def- it's such a different situation for every team. That's why it's definitely going to be fun to go read these articles. But, yeah, play around with the mock expansion on Cap Friendly. It's really easy to use. You can just click on the team, your favorite team. And, uh, and, you know, kind of put yourself in that situation and then go read our articles and, you know, tell us how, how silly we are. <laughs> okay. And if you want to send Victor hate tweets about who he decided to protect for the Sharks, what you can do is follow him on Twitter and at him at Victor Nuno 12. No expletives, please. But uh, honest feedback is always welcomed by him and by me, who has not participated in that mock draft, but uh, likes fantasy hockey just the same at Fan Hockey Life. Check me out. Give me a DM. Give me a follow. All those types of things. We love to interact with people. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on anywhere you like to rate and review things. Give us all the stars. We need all the stars, not just some of the stars. That will keep this fantasy hockey podcast among the top ones that are out there on the internets. Give us a review. Give us kind words. And until next time, the most important thing for you to do is keep living this fantasy hockey life. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.